Good day, everybody. This is Susan Elliott, host of Mean Lady Talking Podcast. We have a bonanza today. I started to answer letters, and I went through this whole first podcast that is officially one of my longest. And when I talk about my ex-boyfriend who was abusive, my ex-husband who was abusive, and my husband, Michael, and I talk talking about them and feeling about them and thinking about them years after they've passed away. When I say I don't have any feelings for these men, I'm talking about my first husband and my abusive boyfriend. I'm not talking about Michael. Anyway, I've been trying to get extra podcasts, you guys. I got an extra long one here for you. They're all off the cuff. I read the letters and answered them with no notes. So it is what it is. I've tried to get it out to everybody. My voice still isn't 100%. Trying to do it. Here is a bit of a podcast bonanza for you. Have fun. Take care. Write me, meanladytalkingpodcast at gmail.com, and I will answer your letters next week. Talk to you all soon. Bye-bye. Welcome to the Mean Lady Talking Podcast. This is the podcast that tackles tough questions about relationships, life, love, and loss. It may not be the advice you want, but it's probably the advice you need. And now here's your host, grief therapist, motivational speaker, relationship expert, best-selling author, and attorney, the not really mean, mean lady herself, Susan J. Elliott. Hey everybody, this is Susan Elliott, host of Mean Lady Talk Podcast, and I do have a lot of letters, so I don't think I'll get to everyone's letter this week, but please, if you sent me an email to meanladytalkingpodcast at gmail.com, and your letter has not yet gotten onto the podcast, you are welcome to write me and not freak out. (laughs) It will be there, but if you want to write me and say, did you get this? Will this be on the podcast? You're more than welcome to do that. This letter I received a couple of weeks ago. Okay, so I'm a couple of weeks behind because of my viral infection, but I'm trying to make it up. This is the second podcast I'm doing today, and it's going to be an even number, but it's still going to be a mail we get mail because I'm so behind. Anyway, should I be concerned that five years after the big breakup, I'm still occasionally rattled by my past relationship? We met as teenagers dating for nine mostly volatile years. I had bad self-esteem from my family of origin, stemming from verbal and sometimes physical abuse, so I completely centered my life around him. This meant that even when things were bad in the relationship, I couldn't let go, knowing it would be a long way to the bottom. Another complicating factor I came to realize is I believe he was bipolar manic depressive with narcissistic tendencies. He met five out of the nine criteria. That's all you need to do. He's always been a little cocky, but the real narcissism and manic depressed depression presented in his early 20s a few years of us dating. Of course, I didn't know what WTF was going on at the time. It was totally bewildering and damaging to live through. And I know because I lived through something very similar. Somehow when I was 25, I finally hit a breaking point and I knew I had to get out for my own good. In the wake of the breakup, I embraced the pain and clung to your book, knowing with every fiber of my being that the only way out was through. I went no contact, did the inventories, journal, practiced self-care, moved to a new city and went to therapy. Well, that all sounds amazing. And exactly what you should be doing. I abstained from dating for a full year. Again, something you should be doing. Focused on me. I rebuilt my life. Again, something you should be doing. GPYB is a program. If you follow the program, if you do the suggestions, you will get 
better. She says, committing to GPYB was absolutely the best decision I ever made. I'm so proud of myself and so thankful to you. Well, thank you very much. I am just a guide. I have done all this work and I share it with the world and I continue to do it after I became an attorney because it's hard to turn people away who are in pain and you know the way out and you figured it out, figured it out on my own. My program, Getting Past Your Breakup, does contain other modalities, psychodynamic, it's behavioral, it's cognitive, it's Eastern, the mindfulness and meditation relaxation. So it's a program and it it focuses on you. This is the way out. I'm not hiding anything. There's no secrets here. I did what I did and then I started teaching it to others, the things that really worked for me. And I have taught, and I've said this, I've taught things that I learned that didn't really work for me, but it's worked for other people in my life. There are some things that I haven't been through, but I help people who are in my practice go through them, like childhood sexual abuse. I write about that in getting back out there because I saw so many people who had had been sexually abused as children not be able to separate that from being in bad relationships as an adult, not being able to handle the sexual abuse. So I went through a period of having a lot of people, including men, women and men in my practice who had been sexually abused as children. And I researched a lot of the helpful things on it. And then I came up with the sexual inventory, which I put in getting back out there. And I encourage anybody who's ever been sexually abused as a child or know somebody who's sexually abused as a child, please give them that book. It's not all about that, but it does talk about it. And one of the reviews said that it was very courageous of this book to do this. And I just wish that more people would pick up the book and do the work in there because that inventory standards and compatibility inventory, the early relationship inventory, what kind of couple are we going to be? That's all important. And it's all important that you get used to it, you commit to it, and you understand it long before you're out there dating. Okay, I have to get on with the letter. Committing to GPYV was absolutely the best decision I ever made. I'm so proud of myself and thankful to you. Your voice in my head stared me through the storm. I'm glad. Other people get upset because I'm like the mean lady talking. Stop doing that. When I did start dating, I saw firsthand how, like you say, water seeks its own level when it truly wonderful man found me. The relationship is so stable and healthy. It just further highlighted how screwed up my old relationship was. I'm married to the wonderful man now and every day I'm so grateful to have done the work and found myself here. Why does the old breakup still flipping bother me? Thank you. Apparently still searching for answers. Okay, the only thing that I can tell you is you're ta- it's time to stop searching for answers. It's over. It's done. You did the work. You came through the storm. You found someone new, someone who treats you well. It's time to let it go. It's just time to let it go. You're making an active decision every time it comes up and bothers you. I mean, what could what could possibly bother you about it? This was a man who you with. I mean, I was with my first husband all through my 20s and on and off from like 15 to 20. I understand these relationships. But if you're a teenager and you're with someone else and they develop mental illness in their early 20s, I have had this, I have had this situation in my practice so many times. And when I was working full time as an attorney and I didn't have, um, I didn't have a lot of people in my practice, I would refer people out who had this issue of leaving somebody whose mental illness had kind of blossomed in their early 20s while they were together. But that's what happens. If you have, you know, bipolar is genetic. 
And if you have the genes for it, different stressors can kick it off. And once it's kicked off, it's off. So if he was bipolar with a personality disorder, which not everybody is, I mean, that's, that's a handful. So you, you were not treated well because he's not a well person. People can only treat you as good as they know how, as good as their issues allow. People cannot treat you better than they know how to behave. They just can't. And as a human being who's looking for health and happiness and way out, dwelling on the old bipolar narcissistic boyfriend is not going to be part of a healthy life. I mean, you can think about it. When you've done this work and you're on the other side, it's not that you're never going to think about your breakups and your old sick relationships again. I've made a career out of my first marriage. I talk about all the time. The man has been dead for years. My very abusive boyfriend that I just did a podcast on has been dead a few years. Sometimes I feel like the Black Widow. Like any ex-boyfriend that I have, I want to call up and say, how are you feeling? It just seems like nobody that I was intimately involved with made it past their 50s. All of my exes passed away in their 50s. My husband, Michael, who I adored, my first marriage, and the guy who was like the most abusive to me, the guy that I went to Georgia with, I just talked about in the other podcast. Those three died within like a year or two of each other. And their birthdays, not in the same year, but close years. Michael was the oldest and he was in 51. My first husband was in 56 and my ex-boyfriend was in 58. So the last week of May, all of them, all of all three of them last week of May was their birthdays. I don't understand that. And I talk about it in the karma thing because as far as I was concerned, nobody got what they deserved. All three of them had very different paths, had done very different things. And Michael was a wonderful man who touched the life of every person he knew. And he was there for us in a myriad of ways. He was a wonderful, wonderful man. My ex-husband was a lunatic to me. I mean, he might have been nice and he was very nice if you didn't live with him. But if you lived with him, he was a bully, always a bully. Even in high school, he was a bully and I didn't like bullies. And I would call bullies out when I was, I mean, I grew up in the Bronx and I would call bullies out. And I would say, you can't, you can't be a bully. You cannot be a bully. It took me a few years. I didn't do it till I was a junior in high school. I just got sick of bullies. I didn't want to fight the first two years, but then junior year, something just snapped in me. And I'm, I was like going after bullies who went after girls who were doing nothing to them. So my ex was a bully. I knew he was a bully and it's like, well, he could be a bully to people, but I don't want to be a bully to people and I don't want to be around girl bullies. I just don't. So anyway, I've talked about these men until cows come home. I talk about them all the time. I don't have any feelings about them. I just explain my experience to other people so they know what I've been through and they know what I've gotten past. It's not like I never think about them. And you keep saying that the breakup bothers you. I don't understand why it would bother you. You did the work. You moved away from an abusive person, a person who's probably still got his head up his butt. And you found a wonderful man. That's it. When you start to think about the old relationship, maybe there's things about you that you want to change. Maybe that's what's... I don't know what's percolating up for you. You're just saying it still bothers you. I don't know how it bothers you. You want to write me and tell me. That would be great. My advice would be not to let it bother you. 
have to take some control over this. You're past this. You've done the work. When it comes up, do the it doesn't matter mantra. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What is he doing now? Who cares? You did the work. As a result of the work, you found a wonderful man. That's the cherry on top of the Sunday. You did the work. You built your own life. You did everything you're supposed to do before meeting the love of your life. Appreciate him for who he is. Appreciate what he does. Be grateful every single day. Commit to him. Commit to your relationship commit to doing the work. Continue to do the work. If there's more things that you need to look at or think about, then do it. But I don't understand why the breakup still bothers you. You've done all the work. We all think about our past all the time. I mean, I think about it all the time. I've made a career out of it. I actually look back on my abuse years and I don't know what I was thinking. You know, what was I? I look at it. I'm like, what was I thinking? But that kind of perseveration doesn't get me anywhere. I did the work. I recovered. It doesn't matter how or why I got into recovery. I have been around women for the past 25 years when I've been doing the work and I've been finding out what I need to do to make myself happy, whole, and healthy. And I have worked with women and I've said, look, if you want to get happy, whole, and healthy, do this. And they don't do it. You did it. You did what I tell you to do. And you reap the rewards that I reap when I did the work. A wonderful man who loves you. I mean, what what more do you want? I'm not saying you're never going to think about your old relationship. You will. Everybody will. It doesn't matter. If it's nine years of your life, it turned you on to work that changed you, that got you out of your damaging childhood, that healed your wounds. You did the work and you reaped the rewards. Because if you were not healthy, you wouldn't have a healthy husband and healthy marriage. And thinking about the old relationship is not unhealthy. What's unhealthy is you saying, you know, why am I still stuck on this? You're not stuck on it. You decide. You must have read my stuff on the turn. That is a very, very, very important work. Seven Choices by Elizabeth Harper Neeld. N-E-E-L-D. She's a literature professor from Texas. Her book talks about the turn. I've had, and the reason why that I give the whole spiel on where I found this concept or that concept from, there's two reasons. One, I want to give people credit where credit's due. My stuff is ripped off all the time. There's a lot of stuff that is absolutely original to GPYP, GPYB, and GBOT. Many, many things. The, the concept of the 3 a.m. person. There are many other things that are original to this. And I hear it in other people and I hear the steps to go on breakup and nobody gives me any credit for it. And people will send it to me and go, oh, this sounds familiar. It's like, yeah, I was the first person who said that. But anyway, I give credit where credit is due because I have taken some things and incorporated it into my program because it worked for me. And Elizabeth Harper Neal's Seven Choices was something that I read after my mother died and my dog died and I was a wreck. And I found a grief counselor at the time. I was seven years into recovery from my divorce and I went to a grief counselor. I was a wreck absolutely a wreck. But I did what I had to do at the beginning of my recovery from a bad relationship. So I'm not sure what it is you're thinking about. It's normal to think about a relationship that was that long. 
I don't know why it bothers you. I mean, if you want to let me know, and I can talk more about this, whatever you want, but I would suggest doing the turn, just saying, I'm done with this. I'm just done with this. I'm not going to think about this anymore. I don't have to think about this anymore. I learned my lessons that I needed to learn. I recovered from a bad childhood and a bad first relationship, and it's over, and it's gone, and it's done with. I mean, you have to put the cognitive work in. You have to tell yourself, it's time to put it away. And you might have to do the turn a few times because it'll start creeping back up on you, and then you go, oh, no, don't want to do this. Don't want to do this. I'm not doing this. That's what you need to do. And if this is not helpful advice, tell me what I'm missing. Please write me. Thank you. Okay, so the second one, this person had sent me this very long letter and she also put it on the Mean Lady Talking podcast Facebook page. It's a long letter. I'm going to try to truncate it a little bit. I was in love with a guy in 1998. We met up again in 2014 and instantly fell in love. I left an unloving marriage and straight into the arms of a man who was affectionate and told me he knew how to love me. I was the love of his life. I supported him through his conviction of domestic assault. Okay, first, first, first error. Never, ever, ever even get involved with somebody who has domestic assault in their background. Never. I believed him when he said he was with a woman who was materialistic and constantly put him down. I ignored his history of dating older women with children and all his affairs with married women. (laughs) He hands you his horrible, horrible history on a platter. And you go, "Eh, okay. Standards and compatibility inventory. I don't think one was done here. Oh my goodness. He said he dated older women because his mother didn't love him enough when he was young and he liked being mothered. Oh God, what a mess. I ignored his anger, calling me names, throwing a coat in my face, luring to me, joining Easy Mom Sex Site. Easy Mom Sex Site? I didn't even know there was such a thing. Oh, my God. Sometimes when I'm doing this work, I learn things I do not want to learn. And that is one of them. I just learned it. There are oldest, what is it? There are sites for Easy Mom Sex Site. Oh, my God. God, I ignored it because he told me nobody understood what he had been through. He doesn't know why he lies, but he's trying to look inside himself and be a better person. When he was angry, he would say, I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at the situation. What a bunch of bullshit this is. In between all this, he would declare his undying love for me. Tell everybody on Facebook how much he loved me. This is showmance, not romance. Yeah, but you are a willing participant in this. This is nonsense. It's not even showmance. It's nonsense. In four years, engagement ring made, proposal date set, and he tells me he needs to be on his own. He still loves me, but he needs to be on his own. He tells me he hopes to find a way back to me. He blames me. I was in a stressful job so we could buy a house and I could put a roof over his head when he got a permanent job. My personality changed. I was stressful to live with. He tells me he's really happy in his job now. He has a nice cottage to move his life into. He showed no compassion that my contractual job is ending and I have have no place to live. Well, Woody, he's been selfish this entire time. And you've been going, okay, okay, okay. Why, why, why would he even think about changing? And I tell people this all the time. You've made it very nice and cozy for him. He refused to have an emotional conversation with me. Yeah, after years of saying, hey, I'm, you know, I was all screwed up by my mother. So I'm not responsible for anything I do. And you went, okay. So well, look, well, why is he going to change anything? He controlled all conversations. And if I tried to question his motives, he would shut down or tell me I'm trying to make him feel guilty. This is this is typical gaslighting. So he's leaving me because he wants to be on his own. He does not want to try and rectify things. Why would he want to try and rectify things? He's a sick puppy. Why would you want to rectify things? Run, 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 and run. 
from the domestic assault conviction on, you should have been running. Every single thing he does is a red flag. And you're like, oh, please give me more. He's leaving me because he wants to be on his own. Yeah, whatever. He does not want to try to rectify things good. He's all sorted out with a job now. He blames me and I find out he's been having an affair with one of his students' mother who was married to why is this a surprise? I could have predicted this from jump. The affair stops as her husband found out. My ex then makes waves towards another of his students' moms. He compliments her children on Facebook and leaves her kisses. Well, if you women are all falling for this bullshit, it sounds like he's a teacher or something. I don't know what it is he's doing, but he's... Oh, she says he's had difficulty finding work due to domestic assault and assaulting his ex's son. You think? He blames me. What, did you really assault them? Oh my God. If he's a teacher or in some sort of position where he has access to children's moms, somebody should be reporting him. Like, you should be reporting him. To say I feel like a fool is an understatement. My ex denies the affair, stating I have broken up a family. Why are you talking to this guy? His perspective is weird and crazy. And you've been falling for her for years now. And now you're asking me why this is happening? Hey, he went quiet when I informed him it was her husband who confirmed the affair. I hate when wives and husbands get involved in the affairs. I hate when they start talking to each other about the spouses that have... Everybody needs to leave. Leave, leave, and leave. Okay? Leave. He continually tells me he wants to be on his own. He has left all of our pictures up on Facebook. Block him on Facebook. Refuses to take them down. Wait, block him. Delete him. More like he wants to make himself out to be a victim. Oh, who cares? He appears untouched by everything. He isn't touched by anything. He's a freaking sociopath. I'm broken, yet he carries on life like nothing happened. Of course he does. Of course he does. This is a man who had a domestic assault conviction and blamed someone else, and you bought it hook, line, and sinker. Why in the world would he feel any guilt about you? Why? He didn't feel guilt about domestic assault. Why is he going to feel any guilt about you? What? Look at his past. His past would tell you exactly how he's going to behave. He shows no remorse or compassion. He's not capable of it. This is one hell of a lesson at the tender, tender age of 44. Well, you're lucky. You no home, no job, lost a relationship. I'm working through grief. It's so hard. I'm angry at myself for not seeing the red flags for believing in a fantasy love. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Do the work. Do the work. Put this behind you and don't even worry about what he's doing. You need to block him. You need to delete him. You need to stop worrying about what the hell it is he's doing on Facebook. It's absolutely ridiculous that you are still looking at this. Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you do the work and you will and you will come out on the other side. I have another really long letter about the personality disordered. I'm going to try to get a lot of this on, but it's it's really too long for the podcast. Two months physically separated from my personality disordered ex. 15 months post breakup with him. We were together for six years. I feel no sadness, only anger. I'm also overwhelmed with feeling like an idiot that he was able to play me for six years. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And I've had this conversation with so many people over the years. You don't know that you don't know. You cannot be mad at yourself for not knowing. I've posted my story in the Facebook group before. Long story short, I met my PDX when I was still in the process of divorcing my ex husband who was an alcoholic and this is what happens 
PDs will rescue you from a bad situation and they will give you so much love and attention you think that everything is going to be hunky-dory cozy. They love bomb you. There's a word for it. It's called love bombing. They love bomb you. And you're just like lapping it up because you're in the process of divorcing an alcoholic. So of course you are lapping it up. You're like, oh, I love this guy. So of course, this is the pattern. I fell hard and fast from my PDX. Yeah, absolutely. All that love bombing, that's what happens. You actually fall in love where they're playing a game. So yeah, that's fun. Few short months into our dating, my PDX said his leukemia had relapsed and he would have to stop working full time in order to do chemo and radiation. He said that he did not know how long he was going to survive since he would have to stop working. I agreed to let him come live with me and my two children. A couple of months after that, I became pregnant. He told me he was impotent due to all the chemo and radiation that he had received as a child and an adult. I was very upset. I was in my second year of law school, working full time and had no time for another child. He begged and pleaded with me to keep the child saying he would do whatever it took financially to make it work. He also told me a long story of him being in the military, claimed both of his parents were deceased. He's from New York, so no local ties except his AA sponsor. Our relationship was volatile and destructive. He's extremely jealous and will lie about everything, how many jobs he applied for, how he talked to my other children, whether they had done any housework. He would argue, call me names in front of my children. He was always the victim, no matter the situation. He would go on and on yelling, name-calling in my face. I would plead for him to leave me alone. He would keep going. He would insult my other children's father in front of them. DCF came out to my house to investigate when my middle daughter told her that my PDX grabbed her and threw her on the bed and she hit her head on the wall. The charges were unfounded and to this day he denies it. He did not work most of our relationship. I took a second job while finishing law school and studying for the bar. Okay, I've gone to law school and I was in a near fatal car accident three months before graduation and I know what it's like to finish law school and study for the bar and I could, I mean, I had a really tough time doing it I because I was so injured in the in the accident I had to do a home study and I would get up I would study for a couple hours and I would go back to sleep for a couple hours I would I would swim at the gym at like three o'clock in the morning while I was studying for the bar because I had to do something with my injuries and I couldn't work out during the day. So at like three o'clock in the morning, I would go swimming because I would have the whole pool to myself. Because if you went during the day and it was crowded, people were waiting to get in, they would time you. So I would do like an hour or two of swimming because I couldn't really do anything else. So I know that this is a time in your life where you're not doing anything except worrying about the bar exam. And when you are coming out of law school, that's you are consumed with the bar exam. You do nothing. Every time I got in a car, I had a CD with me. I put it in. I mean, there was no time except the time I was in the pool and the time I was sleeping that I wasn't studying for the bar. Anyway, he is very emotionally manipulative. In your words, he would twist my head into spaghetti. He was arrested once during our relationship for domestic violence. He punched me several times to pull my hair. Looking back, there were so many red and pink flags that I ignored. I was also super busy and didn't take time to investigate what he was telling about the cancer. He never allowed me to go to the doctor with him, stating that a pregnant woman should not be around hospitals. Yeah, they never have pregnant women in hospitals. They have a big sign on the front door. Pregnant women should not come into hospitals. How ridiculous is this? How ridiculous is this? If someone said to me they don't want pregnant women in the hospital, I would laugh my ass off. I mean, even back when I was ignorant and didn't know. I know absolutely positively and any other woman should know. Pregnant women are allowed around hospitals. They're around them all the time. I started to think he was faking cancer. Really? 
Really? Faking military history, lied about his mother being dead, as well as his alleged impotence. He was a damn good actor. He deserved an Academy Award. Oh, please. Anybody who says pregnant women shouldn't be around hospitals is not a great actor. He does not deserve an Academy Award. You deserve something for being like, what? I ended in May of 2017. Okay, that was the year and some months ago. I finally got him to admit he lied about the cancer. Who cares? It's sickening me to think that he'd be okay with lying about having cancer. People lie about things he was comfortable punching you in the head. I mean, there are different things that different people are comfortable about. And those of us who are normal don't understand it. And we don't think about it because we're thinking who would be like that? Why would he be like that? And, but then he's like that. Okay. I, I was pregnant. I was working full time, mothering two children, all the while thinking that he had cancer that may kill him. I could have lost a baby from all the stress. I don't even know why you were pregnant. When I later confronted him about putting me through all this, he said it didn't matter because at the time I didn't know it was a lie. What? That makes no sense. That makes sense to him. This is Mr. Academy Award actor. Just says something that makes absolutely no sense. And you're like, oh, he deserves an Academy Award. No, 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 no. You deserve something for just falling for whatever he said. This morning I court waiting. He's petitioning for custody rights and visitation. The judge, before hearing what I had to say, told me that he would be getting some visitation. I should go out in the hall and try to come to some sort of agreement. We couldn't agree because I don't want him around my daughter unsupervised. That's great. I mean, all of the domestic violence convictions should weigh against him having unsupervised visitation. He says inappropriate things to her, which weigh on her emotions. He also tries to alienate him from me. I don't know what state you're in. I know that I sent you email and asked you what state you're in, but there are a lot of states where friendly parent statue is on the books. And you should look into your state. And I asked you what state because I, I know the states that have it and the states that don't. There are states that have something called the friendly, it's usually called friendly parent uh, statute. And what it means is as a divorced, a divorcing or not even divorced, but separating co-parents, married or unmarried, you should look on your website of the state that you live in and see if you have it. It basically says that you cannot alienate your child from the other parent. Judges many times have to be reminded about this. So I don't know if you have that in your state. When we were back in front of the judge, I informed him there was no agreement. He asked me why, and I explained that he was mentally unstable, has been arrested for domestic violence against me, has caused my children to be interviewed by DCF. He said none of that was directed towards our daughter, so it was irrelevant. Nope, that's not true. He was granted temporary visitation alternating Saturdays and Sundays beginning this Saturday. He will get to spend nine hours a week with her doing God knows what, God knows where. I was so upset I cried in court. You need to go back to court. I mean, you need to go back to court. You're an attorney. You can go back. I don't understand why all of his domestic violence stuff, you need to appeal this. He needs to have child support. You're an attorney and you didn't ask for child support. Okay, let me tell you, I have seen judges come down on custodial parents for not asking for child support. I've said this many, many times because I'm seeing it more and more in court. Judges are citing custodial parents who are not demanding child support for their child as neglectful because you have a duty to your child to raise it in the best 
circumstances possible. And when you don't ask for child support, especially if you're an attorney, I mean, I can't believe I'm telling another attorney, you know, you have to ask for it. The court's not going to tell him to do anything. When I originally got this letter, I thought, and I did talk to her about the support. And I'm like, you got to ask for the support. But I didn't realize that she was an attorney. As an attorney, I mean, I would be in the courthouse so fast his head would spin and I would appeal this, absolutely appeal this the unsupervised visitation, because he does have domestic violence conviction and they do matter. Even though they're not with your daughter, they do matter. I would like to do your PD boot camp if I can afford it. Is there a wait list? There's not a wait list yet, but I will tell you, we do discuss all of this stuff. Hiring an attorney, even though you're an attorney, she's always been in-house. So the experience in family court is very, very different than in-house. You're kind of sheltered from all kinds of stuff. And you go into court many times when you are a plaintiff or defendant and you have no experience with that. And this woman is saying, I've been in-house. In-house is very different than litigation out in the courts. Okay, so I understand that. But but the judge is going to look at you. And I went through this and I've talked about this. I went through this in, in, in landlord-tenant court and I was the landlord. And I could tell that the judge was pro, very pro, pro-tenant. And I had gone to his courthouse and I had, because I never practiced landlord-tenant. I had nothing, no idea, no idea at all what to do with it. But I went to his courtroom a few times before my case was due because I wanted to see how this guy handled it. And I knew he was very pro-tenant and he was incredibly pro-tenant when the did not have an attorney and the landlord did. It was like the the tenant was being bullied by this judge's eyes. So I knew that I had to go in there, had to know landlord tenant in case I did not want him to know as an attorney. Attorneys are handled differently. And if you're an, an in-house attorney, you don't go into family court knowing what to do. But the thing is that you have the vocabulary. Many times we have to go in there and we have to explain. When I worked for the family law facilitator in California, I had to explain to all of the litigants what things were or to shortening time. We talk in a way that isn't normal. We say, well, you know, that is a dispositive motion. So blah, blah, blah. And and the the, the other person standing there going, what the hell is a dispositive motion? I don't know what the hell that is. And we go in and, you know, we say, you know, you've got to do an order to show cause. And they're like, what does that mean? What does order to show cause me. You say, well, you know, you know, the thing speaks for itself, right? Ray, Ray, Ray You know, we learned that first year towards. And you're, you're talking Latin to somebody who has no idea what the hell it is you're talking about. So you do have the vocabulary and you can revive it. And I found that because I had to study landlord tenant law for the New York bar. I took the Texas bar first, then I took the, the New York bar. And I passed both of them the first time, even though I had a neurologist after my car accident who said that I couldn't even remember, you know, what I did yesterday. But I managed to pass two bars in two years and it was good. So anyway, yeah, you know the language, but it, there are certain states now, and I'm seeing it more and more in the progressive states where they're holding custodial parents liable for neglect for financial neglect, for not raising the children under the best circumstances they can when you don't ask for child support. Please, 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 whether you're an attorney, whether you're not an attorney, please, please, please file for child support and get every cent you can get. And if you think you don't need it, then put it in a savings account. This is your child's money and they deserve to have it. Please, please, please 
always, always, always file for child support. Now, she says, I have not informed the judge that I'm an attorney. That is great. Don't tell the court you're an attorney. Try to hire an attorney. She says, I would like to do your PD boot camp if I can afford zero wait list. Um, there's going to be a wait list of everybody who has a registration gets it back to me soon. I really need the PD boot camps, but we do talk about all this stuff. We talk about the, uh, we talk about child support. We talk about getting an attorney. We talk about the, we talk about this in the personality disorder boot camp. We talk about all this. So, you know, we will talk about all this. There's not a wait list yet. I can only take six people on this. It's a very intense workshop. I can only take six people on it because I do one-on-ones twice in this boot camp. And that means talking to each person. I cannot take more than six. And this is the only time this boot camp is going to be offered. I have more than six registration forms out. If everybody gets that form at the exact same time, I'm going to be oversold and I'll deal with it. But anyway, if you want to do this boot camp, please get the registration form back. And Or if you want the registration form, I will send it to you and you need to register right away because it is going to close because I have more registration forms out from people who said, I absolutely want to do this and I haven't gotten it back yet. So please send them back. It is September 1st, I really need them back this weekend. So if you have it, please get it back. If you want it, please let me know and I'll send it to you right away. Um, anyway, that's my spiel on that. And I will, I will talk more about this, but child support is your child's right. And many times judges are going to find you financially neglectful if you do not file for child support. So please, 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 no matter who you are, very easy and administrative issue. It's not a court issue. You don't have to go to family court, but the judge is not going to. And I realized why this woman didn't know that as an attorney. In email, I said, you know, courts don't give you anything you don't ask for. You need to have a motion. You need to file for child support, but you don't need to go to in front of a judge to file for child support. That's usually in most states, it's an administrative thing. You go to the administrative office, you fill out a form and you submit it. It's very easy, very easy. You don't have to be an attorney. You have to know anything. Please, please, please. It's your child's right. And many judges now, and I don't know if there's judging conventions or whatever they go to, but there are many judges I've noticed who are finding parents in neglect They're calling parents neglectful when they have not filed for child support. Please, please, please file for child support. If you want to do surviving the aftermath of breakup with the personality disorder boot camp, it's the only one I'm ever going to offer. I've been working on it for more than a year and a half. It's going to be very special. It's going to be very wonderful. Please, please, please get the registration forms back to me or ask me for the registration form and I'll give it to you and you could sign right up because I have many of them out and they haven't signed up yet. So if you want to do it, do it. Other than that, please, please, please file for child support. And if you get a bad visitation decision, appeal it, appeal it immediately. And I would definitely hire an attorney for the appeal and I would definitely do the boot camp. And as I said before, you have to put your recovery first. When you put money into your recovery, it doesn't have to be GPYB. It can be whatever you want it to be. But therapy, seminars, workshops, boot camps, you know, whatever it is, that is forever money. You will have it, that influence, that help, that help and well-being. What you change because you put the money into therapy, workshops, seminars, retreats, whatever it is, you have that forever. People spend, I mean, my son's family, wife's family, spent about $50,000 on their wedding one day. 
it was, I mean, it was a beautiful wedding. I mean, the, the, the food flowed. I mean, there was open everything with like the best food ever. This wedding cost like $50,000. I think it's crazy to spend that kind of money on a wedding. But there are people who do that. And they don't think it's one day. They think, oh, it's going to be forever. And 50% of the time, it's not forever. So anyway, um, you, and then people come into recovery and they skimp. They skimp on their recovery. They're like, that. No, I don't have the money for that. Don't have the money for that. Don't have the money for that. Can't go to therapy. Don't have the money for that. Person I want is at a network. Can't 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 do it. And you can do it, and you should do it. So I'm not telling you to do this for GPYB purposes. I'm telling you to do this for your purposes. Please spend money on recovery. Please go where recovery happens. That's how you get well. That's how I got well, and I was a single mom with very little child support, and I saved money. And my the first thing that came off the top was my therapy put yourself first think of this as like if you're if you really want to go to a therapist that was outside of the network you have to pay for it anyway i really encourage people after a painful divorce or breakup especially women to put the money into going to retreats seminars workshops doing boot camps, doing things like that. I hear too many women saying, I'm overwhelmed, I'm financially strapped. Yes, but you need to learn to get healthy. And I put the money into, and I did not have a lot of money. I received $90 every two weeks for three kids. Not a lot of money. And my therapy was $60 a week. And that came off the top. The minute I got paid, my therapist got paid. That money is why I sit here today. I chased it and chased it and chased it. And I did whatever I had to do to get well. And it cost money. I did go to meeting support groups that did not cost money. I did do 12-step programs. I did do community support programs. I did programs at work for people that were breaking up or going through a divorce or whatever or had grown up in a dysfunctional household. So I did do that. I did go to many, many, many free whatevers. And anytime there was a uh, like weekend roundup or something like that, that had a minimal cover charge. And I went to that, but there were conferences I went to retreats. I went to boot camps. I went to workshops. I went to, I mean, I just chased it and chased it and chased it. And sometimes if somebody that I really wanted to see or work with wasn't coming to my state, I would go to wherever they were. I trained with John James in Philadelphia when I was living in Boston. So I would go wherever I needed to go to get this training, this healing, this whatever. I put the money away for it. And there were things I couldn't do right away. But I just encourage you, I'm not telling you that so that you join GPYB and spend money on the boot camp. I'm telling you that for all of the recovery happenings. And it's much easier to find them and do them than it was when I was doing it because there wasn't any internet. I had to go through flyers and community and write to authors, agents to find out where they were appearing, things like that. So you don't have to go through what I went through. I did it for you. But I can't tell you what offerings to take and what to do and what to spend money on. And I... I mean, with self-care, too, you should be going to spas, you should be getting massages, you should be saving for trips that you're going to go on by yourself, things like that. 
So I encourage you all to save money that will be forever money because when you put it in your health and well-being, it becomes forever, forever, forever you have that healing and you hold on to it. And I know that when I was absolutely rocked by the death of my husband, I held on to every piece of recovery I'd ever gone through and I needed it and I needed it and I went to more and I went to more grief retreats and I went to more grief conferences and I did more stuff and I did some rituals and letting go and things like that. But I had all that as tools. When you go through this stuff, when you go to a conference, when you go to a seminar, when you do boot camp and you learn, it stays with you forever. When you go to therapy, if you get the right therapist, it stays with you forever. You heal and you become whole and happy. And that's why you spend money on it. And I encourage you to do that. I did that. That is what I did. And I never balked at the price. I assumed that if somebody had a price, and I've explained the price of my boot camps. I've over-explained it, and I know that. But there are sometimes people need to see it in black and white. Like, why are you charging for this? I don't know. Maybe because I'm considered a world-class expert, and I have 25 years of experience in the field as both a therapist and an attorney. So I can... I can answer, you know, a lot of your legal questions and your emotional healing. I mean, I can do it all, you know. So, yeah, there's a little bit of a price to work with me. Sorry, but it's very cheap for what you get. So, but most healers or teachers or whatever you want to call them, they're not explaining their prices. They don't have to and they shouldn't have to. And you shouldn't have to worry about Spending money that's forever money. I mean, look at it. You have to budget. You can't go to, go to absolutely everything, but you have to sit down. And as part of your self-care, you have to decide how much paid recovery you're going to do from week to week. And then do it. Absolutely, absolutely do it. And then do as many free things as you can. Throw yourself into recovery. That's what I did. Plunge. Take the plunge. If they told me to stand on my head and spit nickels and I would feel better, I would have done it. Learn to be green. When you're green, you're still growing. When you're ripe, you start to rot. So stay green and put your money where recovery happens. You will not regret it. It is forever money and you will be forever healed. Talk to you all later. Please, please, please review the podcast. I'm sorry my voice is still not 100%. I'm trying to make up some some podcasts for you guys. Take care all. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.